Let us be attentive. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What shall I render to the Lord for all that he has given me? Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy. Let us be attentive. Timothy, my son, do not be ashamed then of testifying to our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel in the power of God, who saved us and called us with the holy calling, not in virtue of our works, but in virtue of his own purpose and the grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus ages ago and now has manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher and therefore I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day with what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are on Christ Jesus. Guard the truth that has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, and among them Phygelos and Herogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me eagerly, and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you will know all the service he rendered to me at Ephesus. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Let us be attentive. 
The Lord said this parable. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for all is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. I pray you have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported this to his master. Then the householder in anger said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and maimed and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet, for many are called, but few are chosen. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. There once was a man who was determined to take his money with him after he died. He told his wife to get all his money together, to put it into a sack, and then hang it in the rafters of the attic. He said, when my spirit is caught up to heaven, I'll grab the sack on my way up. Well, he eventually died, and the woman raced to the attic only to find the money still there. She sighed, I knew I should have put the sack in the basement. <laughs> the man was obviously expecting to go to heaven, what we often refer to as the kingdom of God. But the story is also, that we just said, implies that the kingdom of God, heaven, is just something we are to hopefully experience in the afterlife, after we die. This is, of course, true, but are we to experience the kingdom of heaven only after we die? What about the words of Christ? How do we understand these? 
the kingdom of God is near at hand. And elsewhere, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. Let's think about how the kingdom of God is a here and present reality among us, where God's rule reigns supreme, and he alone is sovereign within his holy church. One way of speaking about God's kingdom is to describe it as a great supper or banquet, just as the Lord's parable demonstrated this morning. What do you think about when you hear the word banquet or supper? Normally, most people think about men and women dressed in their finest and snazziest attire, fine china and crystal, delicious hors d'oeuvres, sumptuous meals, and the like. This, of course, is a very worldly way of thinking, but in one sense, it is very useful to describe the great feast and enjoyment we will have with Christ and the saints in heaven and is available to us now. An example of what the kingdom of God is like is also given to us in the Old Testament. Again, it is an earthly example, but pointing to a greater and much more splendid mystery. When Moses and the people of Israel were on the verge of entering into the promised land, that land promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants, scouts were sent on ahead to look into that place to see what it was like. In the book of Numbers, we read about the scouts' report. They returned and they said, We came to the land to which you sent us, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit, grapes, pomegranates, and figs. Now this expression, flowing with milk and honey, is not to be taken literally as if milk and honey were flowing down the hillsides and into the streets, but it does mean that that land was rich with every good thing, from fertile lands and farms to cattle and luscious fruit. One could compare this image to the modern way of thinking about a grand and great banquet. The, promise, the promised land, of course, is a type, we would say a prefigurement, even a shadow of the kingdom of God, which is incomparably more beautiful than anything of this earth or anything we certainly could imagine. The scriptures of the Old Covenant are to lead us up to contemplate divine and ultimate realities. We must perceive the spirit of the text rather than just the surface of the letter. As Abraham's true descendants, we Christians who share the very faith of Abraham are the inheritors of that heavenly, beautiful, and lush land. But that land is not an earthly place, as so many think. It is first the church, and second, the kingdom which is 
to come. Because we experience that very kingdom of God here and now, and especially in the liturgy and in our hearts, when we make ourselves a worthy temple and dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. If we pause and think about it, the kingdom of God is made present right away at the beginning of the Holy Liturgy when the priest shouts out, Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what else is the divine liturgy but a great supper, the Lord's Supper to be exact? It is a banquet to which we are each invited and called again and again to sit at the Lord's table and to eat with him and with one another. And the food and the drink of this banquet is the heavenly and life-giving body and blood of Jesus Christ, to which no other food can compare. St. Gregory Palamas tells us, by the flesh of Christ in the Eucharist, our church community is raised up to heaven and united with it. That is where the bread whole, truly dwells, and we enter into the Holy of Holies by the pure offering of the body of Christ. Our company is the saints and the angels, together with the most holy mother of God herself. These are the divine guests invited to the banquet of the kingdom, who graciously accepted the master's invitation, and we are together with them. By God's grace, we have not sent a negative RSVP to Christ, our host, making excuses as to why we can't join him. We long to sup with him, to sit at his feet and hear his words of life, he who is our life. Christ says to us, as he did to his disciples in the gospel, you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I assign to you and my Father, as he assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Both here and now, brothers and sisters, and in the age to come. Our Lord also says this, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him, and I will eat with him, and he with me. The door on which Christ's knock, which he knocks, is our heart. He wants absolutely to enter in, to sit down with us, to dine with us. He wants to share our company, but he stands there and he knocks. He does not barge in, but he waits lovingly and patiently to be invited into our life. And then if we do invite him in, if we have swept and tidied up our heart, then that great banquet will take place in our very selves, and there will be great rejoicing and merrymaking with our Lord. Then, having invited him in, we must place him at the head of that table, indicating our obedience to him as our Lord and Master. 
we must offer him a pure and splendid throne upon which to sit as our king. And we must be ever so diligent to keep the banquet hall clean and smelling sweet inside, lest we offend him and he depart from us. If we strive for this, my brothers and sisters, if we heed the purifying commandments of God and prepare ourselves to receive him, we will enjoy the present banquet set before us this day as we draw near to the mystical table of the Lord. The Lord himself will come into us and reside in us, assuming his proper place enthroned on our heart. And we will also look forward to the fulfillment and consummation of this present great supper when the Lord returns in his glory. It is written in the book of Revelation that the righteous will feast with Christ, the Lamb of God, in his kingdom. We are invited to that awesome eschatological banquet when the bridegroom celebrates his marriage with his bride, which is the church. Let us listen to these beautiful words of St. John the Evangelist describing his incredible vision, and let us long for that day, hastening to it free of any excuses, free from the cares of this world, gladly accepting the Master's invitation with all preparedness and joy. St. John saw and heard this. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of the great multitude, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty thunder peals, saying and crying out, Alleluia, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God, to whom be the power and the glory forevermore. Amen. Please stand at this time. <clears throat> and grant that always, guarded by your power, we may give glory to you, to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of ages.